Now the word says, "Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you." And we, as parents, ought to train our children young to honor and respect our parents. Today, my guest, Dr. Scott Cherensky, will be sharing about teaching children to honor and respect their parents. Dr. Scott Turensky is a founder, co-founder of the National Center for Biblical Parenting. He and his wife Carrie have five children and six grandchildren. Dr. Turensky is a pastor, author, parenting coach, and a nationally known speaker. He has dedicated his life to studying God's word and the parenting process, and has developed many practical tools that equip families for success. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Dr. Scott. It's so good to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. I, I just appreciate this whole um, situation, you know, just working with families and to be able to talk to the folks on your podcast is a privilege. So thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dr. Scott, I love your books, The Christian Parenting Handbook, but also your book in No More Whining, Complaining. Can you tell us a little bit more about those books? Well, yes, the book um, called Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining and Bad Attitudes in You and Your Kids is is really a book about the biblical concept of honor. And some people say, well, I don't have those kind of problems in my family, those ones in the title. And we say, well, boy, don't miss the the, the teaching in the book, because the, it's not about those words as much as it about how God is designed to honor to be this valuable tool that every child needs to learn, but not just so they can learn it as a child, because God has used this word honor in nine commands in the Bible, honor pastors, honor widows, honor your body, honor governmental leaders, right down the line, husbands should honor their wives. Mm -hmm. And where are children to learn that? They learn it at home. So what we're doing is teaching this valuable life skill that's transferable and will be used in life continually. So that's the book, uh, Say Goodbye to Whining, we call it. That's our short name for it. Mm -hmm. Then there's a children's program that has 13 different lessons uh, to teach children ages 3 to 12 what honor looks like and how to implement it in their home. This is honor with sibling conflict, looking at the definition of honor in in, uh, childlike terms, knowing how to handle anger episodes in your home. All of these things uh, are helping children to grasp this very important biblical concept of honor. That's so awesome. I think it's so important, you know, to learn to honor and respect your parents, right? And it's truly important to just teach them at a very, very young age. Now, how do we do that and parent from God's perspective? Well, let's talk about just for a moment, the difference between respect and honor. I think Mm -hmm. this will help clarify some things. You know, respect is comes from the Greek word phobos in our in the Bible when the term is used in the scriptures. And it's where we get our word phobia from. It basically has this idea that we respect people because of this sense of uh, awe or fear or whatever. So that's what um, uh, respect means. And we when we teach respect to children, we teach them manners. We teach them um, how to respond with this respect toward their parents and others. It's great. Mm-hmm. But honor is different. Honor comes from this Greek word, time in the New Testament, which means to value someone. Uh, so we, um, we treat them with value. And when parents understand this idea of 
honor, then they can teach their children as young as three years old. We teach them uh, what honor looks like. I was in the home of a family sometime back and, and uh, they said, we're doing your kids honor club with our three-year-old. And I said, Oh, really? What's that? They said, ask him the, the uh, honor definition. And I said to the little boy, I said, well, what's, what does honor mean? And he said, honor, treating people as special, doing more than what's expected, having a good attitude. That's our honor definition. Here's this three-year-old spouting it out. I'm not even sure he understands what all that means. But we start by helping kids get the, get the idea that there is a word and it has a meaning. Right. And, and you might even come home. I tell parents, you come home from girl uh, grocery shopping and you've already honored your kids. You bought him his favorite cereal or you bought him his favorite ice cream or something. You pull it out of the bag and you say mm-hmm. to him, hey, I tried to honor you but today by getting your favorite ice cream. This is maybe your 12-year-old or 14-year-old. And you use that word honor because in a little while when he's coming out of the bathroom or mistreating you somehow, you say, wait a minute, we need to talk about this honor a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we're able to use the terms. Just using the term, I think, is helpful in family life. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we recently started it with our four-year-old. And it's so funny because, you know, I've had your book. And and so it's on our dining table. And she's like, Mommy, what is that? And so sometimes she really loves to read while we're sitting at the dining table eating. And so I would read to her. I'm like, well, would you like to be in the honors club? And make it something really special and fun, you know? And uh, there was one time when dad was maybe, he just kind of lost his self-control or whatever on, on an issue. And she was like, dad, if you're going to be that way, you're not going to be in the honors club. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's um, so anyways, now I love uh, your definition on respect and honor. Now, how can we teach our children to respect their parents? Well, I think this idea of honor is uh, has to do with valuing, okay? So we're talking about valuing other people. And I think we can teach it in a number of ways. First of all, sometimes parents say, well, if honor is a gift, because that's what we say, honor is a gift. Obedience mm-hmm. is taken from you, but honor is a gift. So if you if you want um, to teach a gift, how do you do that? I mean, mm-hmm. on the one hand, uh, you can't uh, tell your child, hey, go do this extra thing. Um, because then it's obedience. So one of the ways we do it is we say this. Um, well, it's honor time. Oh, what I want you to do is go uh, find something that's wrong in the living room and fix it. Mm-hmm. And uh, come back and tell me what you did. At any age, a child can do that. Mm-hmm. We can send to the bathroom to, for an honor time or whatever. And so what now the child has to do is kind of see something that needs to be done and do it without being asked. That is one of the parts of the definition of honor so that children are looking for the extra thing to do. Mm. You can tag it on to an instruction you're already giving. You might say to a child uh, who's seven, you might say, it's your turn to set the dining room table for dinner. Uh, When you do, do all the things you're supposed to do, which is obedience, and then choose one extra thing. Mm. One extra thing, they say. What what do you mean? The honor thing. Choose an honor thing. Well, I don't know what that is. Well, you say, I'll give you some ideas, but I want you to think of some way you can make the meal special. You could put ice in the glasses. You could put name tags out. You could make a centerpiece. And so in this way, the child now has to think of a way to add energy to that meal time. So that's what honor does. Honor, part of the honor definition is to do more than what's expected. And we teach children how to do that. So there's lots of different ways. I mean, let me tell you, we use this with teenagers. We use it with preschoolers. 
Uh, and, you know, so many different examples parents tell us of how they do this. Like you gave the example of the four-year-old. But um, a two-year-old, for example, my son calls me up and he says, Dad, I, I used uh, Honor to teach Hayden uh, how to clean up the playroom at two mm-hmm. years old. I said, oh, you got to tell me what you did, son. I, I'm, um, I want to hear that. And he says, well, I had him go stand on a tile in our living room uh, that was an off-color tile. And I, I said, uh, look around in this room. What's wrong, Hayden? Hayden says, shoes. Josh says, fix it. So <laughs> Hayden goes and puts the shoes away at the front door because that's where they kept all their shoes. And then mm-hmm. uh, he says, go back and stand on the honor tile again. What's wrong? in this room and Hayden points out um, papers and Josh says, okay, fix it. And so he takes the papers and puts them in the recycling. Josh said that Hayden did this for an hour at two years old. Anytime a kid does something for an hour at two years old, that's amazing. And finally Josh was done with it. And he said, okay, look, you're very honoring. You can go. Hayden said, (laughs) no, no. Can I go do more honor? I want to do honor in the garage. And so Josh said, fine, go do it. Well, later on, Josh went out there to see that, Hayden had lined up the shoes in the garage across the whole garage floor, obviously a two-year-old job. But the point is he liked doing honor because Mm. he saw what needed to be done and he was able to do something about it. That's one of the things our children need to learn. If they're adding energy to family life, then good things happen. Honor becomes this valuable tool for teaching it. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's partly also teaching them to take initiative without being asked, right? That's correct. Yes, we want children. The, the key word is that word initiative. Mm-hmm. So we do teach children how to obey. And in the midst of all of that, they're learning how to respond well to instructions. And But then we teach them more. We teach them how to take initiative to help other people. For example, when we're sharing uh, about honor to a child, we might say honor. Uh, let's take a 12 year old. We might say to a child who's 12 oh, that honor when you honor the home, we use the word home in two different ways. Home is about the people in the home and the other's home is the house. So I want you to think of a way to honor the people and honor the house in the next few minutes. What are you going to do? Child has to think about it. He says, "Um, well, I'm going to pick up the pillows on the floor in the living room. Well, that's great. That's a way of honoring the house. What are you going to do for a person? Well, let's see. I'll go, um, I'll go make my sister happy. I said, oh, good. Yeah, why don't you think of a way to bless your sister here and make her laugh or spend some time with her? That's honoring her. So we're teaching children how to take initiative. It's a key element uh, that really teaches children how to contribute in life, not just take and take and take, but to actually give and contribute to others. Hmm, that's great. Now, I mean, we're talking about honor and respect, parents, people, the household, the family. Ideally, how does it look for a young kid to show honor and respect to God? I mean, what if they decide, I really don't want to do it. I just flat out disobey. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you mean disobey parents or disobey Mm -hmm. God? Well, ultimately, they're disobeying the Lord, right? If they're this. All right. So sometimes parents will say to me, because we've developed this whole program, the biblical parenting coaching program, where I've trained over 400 coaches and we help families one-on-one. Uh, from our work and and individuals' families' lives. Every once in a while, a parent says, well, I just wish my child would want to do what's right. Mm -hmm. My response to that is, I don't think that's a reasonable request because I think that I don't want to do some things that are right sometimes. I mean, I have a choice. Do I want to shovel snow or do I want to uh, watch the football game? Well, what do you think is going to win? Well, I don't often want to go out and shovel snow, 
or do something like that, but I do it anyway. See, I think the essence of responsibility is doing what we know we need to do, even though we don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. The same thing's true with obeying parents or obeying God. We teach children that we do the right thing, even though we don't feel like it. Inside of the heart, God has placed this conscience. The word conscience is used 30 times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And this conscience prompts a person with a number of different prompts. One is the prompt, you need to. You need to, you know, if it's as we're as adults, you need to get gas in the car, the, the tank's getting empty, or you need to pay your bills because it's toward the end of the month. So it says you need to. Now, children do not have enough need to usually developed in their lives. So we help with exercises to strengthen the I need to. But notice what we do here. When we strengthen the I need to, then it comes against the I want to. Which is going to win, the I need to or the I want to? Mm-hmm. Well, that depends on which is stronger. And sometimes children have very strong desires. God says desires exist in the heart of a person. And so those desires get pretty strong. They turn to expectations. They even turn into demands. And children need a greater sense of obligation to overcome those want-to experiences so that they can be more effective in their interaction with life. That's what responsibility is. So we're training children to do that. So we put them into experiences where they're building more obligation in their lives. Mm. Now, sometimes it's also in how we say it, how we ask them, what is the right way and what are the ways that we should avoid? Okay, that's a real good question. And I'm going to share with you what we do and we suggest to to parents as they're working with children and why. Mm -hmm. When you have a task that you want your child to do and you're working on obligation training, that is, we're working on helping children feel this sense of need to, you're training the conscience, then you use the words with a child that say, you need to, you need to go in and get your shoes on now, or you need to come to dinner now. The you need to is emulating the conscience. And so we're training the conscience because we want the conscience Mm -hmm. to prompt a child to say, uh, inside the heart, you need to work on your homework now and get off the video games. You know, Mm -hmm. we want the heart to be working on its own, but it requires training. So we encourage parents to use the words you need to now. Those are the words we encourage. Now, some parents will use the words, they're they're typically using the words, I need you to. I don't think that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. That, Rather than you, you need to. Okay. Right. I think some parents say, I need you to. And what that's communicating is a need that the parent has. And so sometimes I think the child's thinking, well, look, my mom has a need. And if I don't uh, go and uh, switch the laundry over right now, I don't know what's going to happen to her. Maybe she's going to have an episode or something. Mm-hmm. This really isn't about the parent. We want children to feel the need to do things. That's obligation. That's godliness in their lives. So we're transferring mm-hmm. that to children. And so that's why we suggest, especially when you're doing conscience development, conscience training, you use the words you need to because it fosters this internal motivation we want these children to have. Now, what if you tell them you need to go wash your hands right now and come to dinner, but yet your child goes, in a minute. Okay, so now we have the wait, wait a minute disease. That's what we call it. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that's a common problem. And this is because uh, children need to learn that, that their obligation is stronger than their want to. Again, I need to versus I want to. Now, I don't think 
every child needs to obey instantly or Mm -hmm. uh, that they need to immediately come when called all the time. But there's some children who never can um, receive an instruction right away. There's some children who can never come when their parents call them right away. And those children have a problem Mm -hmm. because they lack the ability to give up their agenda. They lack the ability to cooperate. And so in that case, sometimes we're a little bit more strict with them because we're doing training, remember? Mm -hmm. And the training is to help children give up their agenda. It's so good for a child who has emotional challenges to be able to give up their agenda. And, And so when a parent says, calls a child's name and says, Billy, then Billy needs to stop what he's doing immediately and come. This is, of course, when we're doing this kind of training for a child who can't give up his agenda and always has to say, wait a minute, we want that child to think differently about life. When your name is called, you come right away and you say, what mom? Or yes, mom, or whatever is best in your home. But the point is a child, by learning how to come right away, learns, just imagine what's going on in the heart of a child. In the in that inner place in the child's heart, when they receive a, uh, a call of their name or they given an instruction, what is their immediate response? Some children develop an immediate response of no, or wait a minute. And that is not a healthy way to interact with people. Our immediate response should generally be yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're helping Uh, children to learn how to do that. We're training them to do that. We often will enter into some more strict routines that are training a child to give up their agenda. We'll later teach them how to evaluate authority or question authority or um, evaluate whether this is right or wrong. All those are good advanced skills. But first, children need to learn how to give up their agenda. And that's why they learn how to obey. We're really talking about the obedience side here. Uh, That is also taught in this book. But the honor then is doing more than what's expected. So both the obedience and the honor are strategic parts of what we're trying to teach children. Right. And you talk a lot about training them to honor, training them to obey when you, you know, when you say training. So do you suggest that maybe they do some kind of role play and practice during the day? Like Billy, come here right now, or Billy, you need to come here right now. And do it several times so that they can get the idea of, oh, this is honoring to mommy or this is, you know, uh, being obedient to mommy or kind of in in what you said about changing their conscience. Yes. Okay. so uh, the idea of training children is sometimes um, foreign in some families because some parent families rely more heavily on correction mm-hmm. to get things done and for change to take place than they should. And uh, correction tends to focus on what the child did wrong. Uh, it's negative. And when that's taking place, then we end up having some challenges uh, in our relationship with a child where training is much more positive. So your idea of role playing is good. Sometimes we do drills with children. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's Jesus who told us that it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. In other words, there's this internal thing going on in the heart and it comes out through our behavior and our speech. And so what we're trying to do is change the inner dynamic that a child has. We're trying to work on their hearts. And as we work on their hearts, sometimes children are resistant to change. And so what we're doing is we're using different techniques to to practice a new tendency. Thus, we may do drills, which are several instructions in a few minutes, because we're more interested in the process, not the task. It's not about getting a task done. This is what children misunderstand. They believe that uh, it's all about getting the task done. And so if I've done the task my mom told me to do, even if I did it 
uh, with a delay or a bad attitude, mm-hmm. then I've accomplished what I need to do. And as parents, we're doing much more than that. What we want our children to understand and work on is we want them to understand that we are concerned about the process, the way you do it. So obedience gets the job done. Honor addresses how you do it. Mm. And that's why it has to do with attitude. That's why it has to do with contributing more. There's just a whole different approach when we emphasize honor than it would be if we emphasize obedience. So both are important, but uh, they emphasize different parts of the process. Now, speaking about attitude, you know, what should a parent do if the child talks back or scream at their parents? How can we approach our child and when is a good time for to approach them? That's a real good question. We are uh, trying to help um, children learn how to handle their uh, frustrations, their challenges, their emotions. Sure, we're trying to teach them what that looks like in very practical ways in family life. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time we're working on what we call the getting things done department, you know, getting things done, all the things we do in the course of the day. We're working hard to get things done, uh, telling children what to do, um, giving them instructions, helping them be kind to their brother, eat their broccoli, all those different things that we do in family life. From the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed, you're getting things done. Now, most of the time parents are spending their time there because that's where the training takes place. Mm -hmm. But when a child gets off track, that is they start yelling at you or being disrespectful, or being defiant or or just being angry, uh, then we need to switch. We make what we call a parenting shift. Mm -hmm. And we shift from the getting things done department to a different way of parenting. This is where parents make a mistake sometimes. Because here's what happens. If you're trying to get something done and a child gets off track, Mm -hmm. when the child's off track, then, and you keep trying to get something done, you're saying to your seven-year-old, you need to clean your room and your seven-year-old screaming at you. I don't want to clean my room. And you keep saying you need to clean your room. You need to clean your room. Then what happens is you end up inadvertently validating a child's poor response. Mm. He's yelling at you and you're continuing to try to get things done. We can't do that. We have to switch to a different way of parenting, which has to do with correction. We basically say to a child, okay, wait, you're off track. We can't continue until uh, you get back on track. So mm-hmm. we have a whole you know, system for dealing with when a child's off track. But the important thing is here to notice there's two different ways to parent. One is when you're on track and one is when you're off track. You have to make that switch to the off track parenting style or approach mm-hmm. in order to help children deal with the problem. This is more about the task and the process. Right. We're trying to get a task done, but the child's process is off. We want to make sure their process is in the right place, too. So that's why we also discipline for process, not just for the task. Right. So at that moment, would you suggest for parents to stop them right there from getting the task done, but address their bad behavior? Yeah. So let me give you an example. Mom uh, of a three-year-old comes into the house. Uh, because her son's being disruptive, doing the wrong thing. She tells her son, you need to go take a break, you know, sit in the hall uh, and settle your heart down. The boy kicks his shoes off and throws them across the room. Mom says, you need to go get those shoes right now. Now, what Mm -hmm. do you think is going to happen? I mean, you think a kid's going to go over and get the shoes? No, he's going to say no, because Mm -hmm. mom's confusing the two different types of parenting. On the one side, we're trying to get something done, go get the shoes, but we're doing it with a child who's off track. What mom needs to do in that moment is say, Uh, all life stops for you. You need to go sit in the hall. That was good. But when he starts throwing the shoes, she just needs to keep going. You need to sit in the hall. He needs to recover from this, get back on track. Then we say, okay, now go get your shoes, 
and put them where they need to be. So um, what we're doing is we're just illustrating the two different kinds of uh, tracks that parents have as they're working with their children. Very And this is, we developed all those things mm-hmm. in understanding the way God works with us. Let me tell you a quick Bible story. Jonah, the story of Jonah is about the two tracks, the two different cycles that God uses with people. And we developed our system based on what God does with us. So God wants to get something done. He wants the Ninevites to be uh, confronted about their um, sin. And so he enters into the first kind of parenting. And he says to Jonah, he's, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, get up and go to Nineveh. That's his first approach because he's trying to get something done. But Jonah, like a three-year-old at a grocery store, runs the other way. And so God says, okay, this isn't working. I'm going to have to put my agenda that is reaching the Ninevites on hold for a moment because my servant needs some help, some correction. And so God moves into a whole different approach. He moves into a correction mode and he says, okay, let's see what discipline strategy should I use here? I know I'll use a break. I'll have him go sit somewhere. Uh, And so he says, where should I have him sit? And so of course he creates this big fish and um, this fish comes and swallows Jonah and Jonah's in this fish for three days. I say, I say to kids, can you believe it? For th- if I was in the belly of a fish, I'd change in three minutes. I wouldn't take me. <laughs> but he finally changes. And then it, we come to Jonah chapter three. And it says, after he gets thrown up uh, onto the shore, it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up and go to Nineveh. You see, God had to go to this correction mode, but then he comes back to the instruction mode when he was done with that. And then he could get something done. I just find the way God works with people to be fascinating. And that's what we're trying to teach parents too, that don't get sucked into kids' drama. Make sure you're able to draw a line between the two things that are going on here so that you can um, make the most of the training you want to do with your children. Mm. That's awesome. Now, I believe that honor and respect has also to do has also a lot to do with teaching young children to be honest, right? And how can we teach honesty to young children who may be confused between telling the truth and having a wild imagination? Yeah, that's a good question. So that's, uh, there are several different aspects of integrity. And so we teach in our coaching program, we come to some pretty serious problems with children, especially kids who are adopted. I mean, we find that integrity issues are, are common uh, with children who uh, are adopted or in foster care. And so we have to have some very specific strategies to address them. But with a young child, as you say, some kids aren't intentionally lying. What they're mm-hmm. doing though, is they're using their creativity to make up a story that I have a they might say that say to the preschool teacher at school, I have a uh, a lion in my basement because they read books about, you know, these different things mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, where animals talk and all kinds of things happen. And so they're just using their creativity to tell a story. So in that case, we do want to teach honesty, even in the preschool years. So we will teach children to say, now, wait a minute, what you need to say, you can't say you have a lion in your basement. What you need to say is, I wish I had a lion in my basement, or it would be fun to have a lion in my basement, or I'm imagining I have a lion, or I wish I had a lion in my basement, anything like that, that kind of prefaces their idea. So we can help children understand the difference between 
reality and fantasy. A lot of our children's books, a lot of the things we do with children has to do with fantasy. And at, at that age, children have a hard time sometimes uh, because they think concretely. So fantasy, reality, you know, it all seems the same to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is teach children that uh, when they're making up a story or they're being creative, that's good. We like it when you create stories, but let's just use some words to help couch that in a way that uh, that doesn't appear to be speaking something that's not true. Right, right. A funny story is that one day my daughter came home and from school and she said, yeah, you know, the teacher changed that wall and put up a TV and <laughs> we wow. got to watch Paw Patrol. And I was like, you did? <laughs> And I was like, she's like, yes, okay. So I write her teacher. I was like, did you guys add a TV in the room? She's like, no, never will we do that. So I I asked her, I said, Shiloh. So I talked to your teacher and she said, there's no TV. And she starts smiling. Yes. (laughs) I said, was was that your imagination? She's like, yes, it was mommy. (laughs) Good. I think you're teaching Shiloh some very important things about, uh, truth telling and reality versus fantasy right now. Very important things children need to learn. And when it gets older and they know they're lying and they're intentionally lying to get out of trouble or to get something they want or stealing something from the kitchen, or, you know, then we have a different problem. Right. And we're working on that with some more substantial tools. Right. Now, there are so many different ways that children can kind of show this respect to their parents. You know, we talked about screaming or talking back. Um, We didn't really talk about hitting or some other ways, but what are some, and you gave so many different examples, you know, if you could just share one more example, how should we reprimand a child who just is defiant and just doesn't show respect for their parents? Well, we have to distinguish between a pattern or a tendency and mm-hmm. a, um, a one-time event. Mm-hmm. If a child's frustrated and upset, then that's an indication of an anger problem and they're mishandling it. That's If it's a one-time event, it's situational and we can deal with it by uh, having a child take a break, for example, and kind of debriefing that with uh, some eye on how to handle anger and move forward. But if a child has a pattern of angry responses and the child saying, I hate you, or the child's uh, hitting or kicking you, then we have a more serious issue that is a heart issue. So we use the word tendency to enter into the heart. If a child has a tendency to run away when you call them or argue when you tell them no, or, or to be violent when you when they don't get their way, then that's a tendency. Now we're working on the heart. And when working on the heart, we use a number of tools to bring about change in the child's heart. The heart's a complicated place. Sometimes uh, what we do is we just use more relationship and mm-hmm. we, we realize this child is acting out inappropriately. And maybe we're going to say, look, it looks like you're upset. Why don't you come over here? I'll give you a hug. So it's very appropriate sometimes to comfort children. But other times we're very firm and we say, whoop, that's out of bounds. We don't do that. And uh, we start moving into some correction strategies in order to bring about change. So the key thing, though, is remember, if a child is acting out in any way and it's a tendency, we can use correction in the moment, but we have to then trigger ourselves to move into some training episodes. If a child gets angry because they're interrupted 
or they say, say no, or we say no to them, then we need to give the child a plan and we need to practice that more often. So I had a little boy in my office who's six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I counsel with children, I always have the parents in the room because I believe parents are the primary counselors for their children. Mm-hmm. And so this little boy's in the room and he gets really mad when his parents say no to him. So we worked on a plan together. And then I said to him, now I want you to turn to your parents and I want you to tell them that they can say no to you more often this week. So you can work your their your plan and he says uh and they'll just be kidding right and i said no they're not going to be kidding they're actually going to do it he said oh so he knew that this is um where we're going Mm -hmm. now every time parents said no it was part of a training experience for him so uh those are the kind of ideas we like to share in the biblical parenting coaching program but it's just a whole process of bringing about change in a child parents need a lot of tools in order to do that our job is to equip parents with tools because parents who have tools and plans they do much better they don't have to use anger to solve problems and they can go forward with some real strategies that touch a child's heart Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott. I know that in your biblicalparenting.org, you have a vast majority of like information and blogs as well. Am I right? Yes. In fact, people can go there and sign up for our free email parenting tips. And about once a week, they get a a free biblical-based parenting tip that they can uh, implement in their family. So that's, they certainly can sign up for those. And and what that happens then is that when we're doing a live seminar in their area, then we uh, let them know through that database and says, Hey, we're coming to your area. If you'd like to be a part of the live seminar, you can. So yes, that's uh, a lot of things at biblicalparenting.org. That's great. Now, Dr. Scott, we're almost at the end of the show, but is there anything else you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Yes, I would suggest that this idea of honor is a very strategic and important idea. We say if you want your children to fly straight, you teach them obedience. If you want them to fly high, you teach them honor. Honor is customer service brought home. And there's so many practical ideas in that book to teach children of all ages how to practice honor. It changes their life. God is hidden within obedience and honor, the secret ingredients that children need to be successful in life. I would encourage parents to see their role in parenting is much bigger than getting things done. but really training adults. We're not just training children, we're training adults and we're starting now at whatever age they're in. So yeah, a lot of work in parenting. I just encourage parents to hang in there and do the hard work. It's worth it. Definitely a lot of work in parenting. I think um, we have the hardest job ever. Yes. Well, Dr. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Before I end the show, I'm just going to close out in prayer, if you don't mind. Please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord God, uh, just for the vast gem of wisdom uh, from Dr. Scott Cherensky, Lord God. We just pray, Father, that, Lord, this podcast has been glorifying unto you, Lord God. We pray that, Lord, that you show and um, fill the hearts of every parent, every mother in teaching and modeling how to teach their children to honor and respect them, Lord God. And, uh, Lord, we just give you thanks for what you're going to do in the lives of these households. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. 
Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.